heartfelt hello and a warm welcome to the very first In The Country podcast. I'm your host, Holly Ella, and this is your exclusive space for all things quintessentially country. I am so excited to join you whilst you're walking the dogs through the countryside, when you're busy working, exercising, in the car, or even on horseback. Perhaps you enjoy listening to your favourite podcasts whilst you're cooking up a storm or getting ready in the mornings. Whatever you're doing and wherever you're listening, I'm so glad you've chosen to join me. Over the coming episodes, I will be sharing with you insights into my life as a young female entrepreneur, editor of my own self-published quarterly country lifestyle magazine, In The Country, complete carb and pasta addict and borderline obsessive animal lover. This is the first ever In The Country podcast, which is most definitely hugely exciting, but frankly also pretty terrifying. Those of you who know me already will know I have stumbled into the world of social media and publishing almost accidentally, and this podcast is my latest venture. I am so looking forward to the future of this podcast. You can expect to hear from industry experts, inspirational individuals working out in the fields, on the farm, at the stables and with animals of all shapes and sizes. If you are a lover of the country way of life or are passionate about animals, this is the podcast for you. I am also incredibly passionate about sharing with you the things I've learnt along the way through being an entrepreneur, content creator and small business owner. How I turned a wild idea of mine into a full-time international business and lifestyle brand. So many of us nowadays want to break away from the monotonous nine to five career ladder lifestyle. Did you know there were 5.6 million small businesses in the UK at the start of 2018? That figure is continuing to rise day by day. The appeal to work for yourself is huge. I know firsthand, I jumped off the hamster wheel, so to speak, at just 21. Three years on, as I dive into one of the most exciting years yet for my business and for me, through my experiences and conversations of inspiration with others, I want to help you make that happen if you desire. Expect some of these podcast episodes to be themed around genuine and down-to-earth, no-waffle, relatable advice, helping aspiring entrepreneurs and small businesses to grow and achieve their aspirations and dreams. It's not at all easy, but it is possible if you are passionate about making these things happen. But enough of that for today. I thought we could kick things off with a little bit of background information on me. I mean, if we are going to be sharing countryside walks, long drives and workouts together, I think it's best you know who you're listening to, right? So for my very first podcast, obviously, you know, I'm going to learn how this all works as I go along. So please bear with me. Um, But I really wanted to involve my existing followers, my existing kind of readers in in this very first episode. And so I asked on Instagram for you guys or for for my followers, if, if you are new to me and the world of in the country, to share or to ask me anything so that I can, you know, enlighten listeners into 
me, who I am, my journey as an entrepreneur, how I set up in the country magazine so that we can better get to know each other. And and as I said, you know who you're listening to when you're walking the dog, working out. A couple of quick fire questions uh, for you so you can kind of, you know, get to know the real me, the important ones. Tea or coffee? I love tea. I'm I'm a tea convert. I used to absolutely love a cup of coffee at work, at my desk, um, until James, my partner, accidentally, um, when the day we first met, made me a cup of tea when I'd asked for coffee. But I didn't want to be too rude, I didn't want to be, you know, set things off on the wrong foot, so I drank it to be polite. And actually, ever since then, I am a complete convert. I love a cup of tea. I have two sugars, milk, love it. Cats or dogs? This is a big one. Um, Having recently moved home, um, my mum has a lovely cat, which many of you have probably seen, um, helping, I'm not sure that's the right word, but I'm going to say it anyway, helping me wrap the magazines. Um, She's called Olive, she's lovely, but I have to say I am a dog person through and through. James has a black Labrador, which you'll again probably have seen on Instagram, Bella. She is fantastic. And there's just something about dogs. Um, You know, you guys can make your own mind up, but there's just something about dogs that is just, it's unexplainable. They are just incredible. I absolutely love them. I mean, they're always so excited to see you. I'm not sure what that says for my emotional needs, but you know, there's nothing better than coming home to a wagging tail, a, you know, the, bo- the whole body goes. It's just fantastic. And really, they put up with my slightly obsessive, um, and overly enthusiastic love for them um, slightly more than, than cats. Let's move on to the real questions now, the ones that you're probably more interested in and the reason you're really here. We'll start with the question I'm most commonly asked. When and what made me choose to launch a new country lifestyle magazine? So I started the magazine um, about three years ago after I had uh, returned from a seven-month trip to New Zealand. Um, I'd gone to New Zealand really because I just, you know, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was, I think, 19 at the time, and I dropped out of university the year before. Um, various reasons but it just wasn't for me it's not for everybody and that's absolutely fine um and I you know I identified that it's it it just wasn't for me um that being said it was after I moved my horse at the time you know eight hours up the country and back uh so yeah but it's not for everyone and you know you live and you learn when I returned from New Zealand uh I obviously I needed to get a job um and prior to New Zealand and the magazine a lot of what I'd done um, in between college and school was working with horses yard work riding um, I'd done a little bit of freelance stuff so that was something that I enjoyed I felt comfortable in I had experience with and so I'd sort of started to get back into that um, to kind of fill a gap um, in between you know finding what I really wanted to do or trying to anyway I'd studied a equestrian uh, care and management qualification at college prior to going to university and so the experience that I'd had up until this point wasn't traditional or 
Um, what I'm trying to say is it wasn't kind of based in an office or working in a shop or marketing or anything like that. There wasn't a specific kind of area of expertise that I had other than being outside, doing what I loved and working with horses. So for me to find a job um, was really quite tricky and I would have to start at the beginning. Um, and I began applying for jobs um, left, right and centre, literally for anything, um, you know, office admin, um, a few um, sales roles in shops, but every single time, and I went through an agency actually at one point, and every single time um, I would have the interview, it was lovely, it was great, it got on really well, but they would always come back and say the same thing, you don't have enough experience. After the sixth or seventh interview um, of being told no, I was starting to get pretty frustrated and I'd pretty much all but given up and went back to doing some freelance work with some horses um, fairly locally. And I got a call out the blue actually from um, Horse and Rider magazine, which a lot of you will probably know um, kind of this story already, but um, yeah, it's one of the, the biggest um, monthly equestrian publications in the UK and they um, had invited me for an interview. I actually couldn't remember applying for the role, which was quite funny to be honest. Um, and the role was for an advertising sales assistant and I had absolutely no experience in selling adverts, uh, no experience working in an office, but I went along to the interview anyway and chatted with the, with the team, my interviewees, um, and we all got on really, really well. And we spoke horses, we spoke work, and they offered me the job, which was absolutely fantastic. And I was, you know, I was absolutely over the moon and could not wait to get started. I was there for about six months and I learned absolutely loads. Um, sold my first advert, obviously. I'd never, ever done anything like that before. Um, I'm not sure I'm a natural salesperson, but I gave it my best shot, definitely. And whilst I was there, we used to get um, a handful of competitor magazines in, along with the magazine, obviously, that was produced, Horse and Rider. Um, and through that, I, I, would, I would obviously look at the content, I'd look at who was in it, so I could try and speak to them for future adverts. Um, and being from a, um, you know, my social circle, my interests are, you know, country life it's all round it's not just the horses it's not just shooting um it's not just the fashion it's absolutely everything that goes into it everything in between and I just felt that looking at the market there wasn't anything that you know really covered everything for my generation or for people like me around my age um for women in the countryside I'd started a um a blog and an Instagram account um, by this point which was really purely personal um, there'd been absolutely no growth on it and I'm sure it was literally my sisters and my parents that read any posts that I did put out um, but as I continued to to work in ad sales I had absolutely nothing to do with the the journalists the writers the editors the graphic designers or anything like that I was purely 
an advertising sales assistant, which was great. Um, and it paid the bills and I loved it and I learned absolutely loads. So I am so grateful to the team um, at Horse and Rider who I'm still in contact with today. Uh, and they recently stocked my magazine on their stand at Olympia, uh, the London International Horse Show, which some of you may have gone to. So that was a really incredible um, kind of point in this business journey so far. As the months went on, however, and I continued to post daily on Instagram, um, you know, things I was doing, things I got up to on the weekend, um, what I was wearing, I began to kind of find or generate some traction to the posts that I was creating. And as the followers began creeping very, very, very slowly up, I began to engage with them and create a kind of small community of people who I would talk to regularly. It wasn't until I actually posted a um, poll on Twitter asking um, my followers and you know anyone who could see the post to um, just kind of give me their thoughts. I asked whether or not they felt that there was a gap in the market for a women's country lifestyle magazine. Something that would be noticeably different from what was already on offer on newsstands, in supermarkets and things like that. Something that was aimed at women between the ages of about 20 and probably 50. Um, I know I have readers, you know, either end of that and that's absolutely fantastic. But that was the kind of target age range that I was going for. So not your country gentleman or your hugely, hugely, hugely wealthy landowner. It was going to be or it was you know something that was relatable genuine down to earth that that women within the countryside could really really connect with at that time we'd seen a really big rise in the number of women and we continue to do so now but the number of women um taking up shooting clay shooting game shooting um the number of women picking up a shotgun and kind of getting outside getting outdoors and and giving it a go was was huge and so you know it was it was evident that that there was a demand in in the country you know the country sectors for for something that was speaking to women that included women um, and focused on women not just as a as a kind of you know supplement um edition or or small piece within a wider range um with a wider publication you know aimed at, at, at gentlemen and the response to the poll was an absolutely resounding sort of yes um the support was hugely positive and and it really kind of inspired me to to kick on and and make this into um a reality to to try it to see how you know to see what happened um you know i felt that you know why couldn't i do it um if there was a if there was a gap if there was a demand that that people wanted filling why couldn't i be the one to fill it and so with absolutely no experience and no clue where to start I decided I was going to embark on this this mad journey, this mad mission to create a new country lifestyle magazine. And that's what I did. So we now know what made me take the leap and create in the country. But people are often curious to know how I got started and when they learn that I you know I'm self-taught I had no experience um 
you kind of their ears prick up and they, they really want to get down to the nitty-gritty of how I managed to launch um, what is now an international publication. And I can't exactly give you a step-by-step guide to how I did it because I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that so many people um, saw what I was doing. It was new, it was different, and they invested their time and obviously their money um, in purchasing the issues and pre-ordering the very first copy um, in me and what I was doing and the idea. And to the best of my knowledge, no one had tried to um, create a women's country lifestyle magazine before or um, even a new country lifestyle magazine for a really long time. A lot of the publications out there have been around for a really, really long time. So it was a big talking point. It was a big kind of, you know, movement in the in the industry and on social media um, by choosing to create a, a new magazine. And obviously the industry itself, the print industry, um, it's quite a, a, a kind of fragile industry perhaps. Lots of people within the industry often say to me, well, you're crazy. What on earth were you thinking? Print is dying, digital is rising, and magazines are just falling left, right and center. So why would you go and create a new one? And I kind of, you know, I reverted to to my own beliefs in that I love to have something tangible to read. I love to keep things, um, you know, having a coffee table book on, you know, a coffee table read is just, there's nothing like it. And even the smell of a new magazine or a new book, um, you know, you you can't find that from, from reading on the screen. And so much of of what we consume of the media that we consume is via screens and you know sometimes we just want a break um want to break away from from what is now the norm and and revert to you know life's luxuries which are relaxing putting your feet up switching off and just indulging in a magazine when i set out to um create the magazine and and kind of transform my ideas that were in my head and trust me there were loads into um into a reality into a product I had absolutely no idea where to start and there was a um independent equestrian magazine at the time um who you know was run by a lady and I saw what she was doing and I thought it was absolutely fantastic sadly it's it's no longer running um but we spoke um a few times about how she managed to to kind of you know get her idea off the ground from those conversations and the kind of knowledge she she gave me I kind of reverted to thinking or to, to remembering what the girls at horse and rider um, used to use to put the magazine together um, it's a fantastic magazine the kind of graphic content is incredible um, and you know it was something to, to only aspire to um, but I remembered hearing them talking about InDesign you know they would come upstairs and they would be working away on one of the Macs and moaning about what what you know something that was stressing them out on the software that day and, and I remembered the word InDesign but I had no idea what it was about I did, however, know that it wasn't going to be feasible and it wasn't going to be professional enough to produce a magazine on Word or PowerPoint. It needed to be, you know, the program that that people, you know, that the professionals were using. And I just needed to learn how that worked. And so what does one do in modern day when they don't know how, how something works or how to do something? 
they revert to Google or to YouTube. And that is exactly what I did. I, I Googled the software, um, which, and I downloaded it. I got the license, which, you know, the software looked inc- like incredibly confusing to me. I, I had absolutely no idea where to even begin. And so that's when YouTube came in. And I began watching tutorials after tutorials on how how to work, how to navigate InDesign. And, you know, after hours and hours, I began to kind of experiment with with various little features, with, with stories, with articles. Um, and, and essentially, that is how I managed to put the first issue together through watching tutorials, kind of implementing the, the, the knowledge and the advice, and again, just repeating the process over and over. The very first issue launched on the 1st of July 2017 and it was just surreal. Um, It featured myself, James, Simba, my horse, and Bella, the dog, um, as a puppy, on the front cover. And, you know, I, I had absolutely slaved away at this for months and so to, to have it in person, to touch it and, and you know, it just everything about it, to flick through it and not have to look at it on a screen was just absolutely incredible. We had um, run a pre-order kind of program or, or campaign is probably the better word um, in the run-up to the launch um, so people could only pre-order the magazine and in doing so they would automatically be entered into what we call a golden ticket giveaway so each issue those that pre-order the magazine are and, and subscribers now are automatically entered into a kind of prize draw for a incredible prize um the very first prize was with fairfax and favor uh, who have been a long kind of long-standing support of myself and of in the country and so issue one i had ordered 250 magazines and probably about 200 of those were already pre-ordered so we knew we had a little bit extra but but not a lot and when they arrived um although it was hugely exciting and i I think it was actually at hickstead as a as part of a um kind of sponsored appearance press event uh at the time and so i i I managed to put well I put it on Facebook or Instagram to say that they were here but I I didn't actually open them until I got home and it wasn't until I got home and I opened the box and I opened the first magazine that they were wrong um I just knew in my heart that there was something that wasn't right and I looked and all the full color sort of ad pages or content pages they all had a white line uh running across the bottom of them and I knew that that wasn't how I'd intended it to be and I was panicking because you know 200 odd people had had placed orders months ago some of them and were waiting and waiting eagerly to receive their copies and I was just absolutely devastated and I you know I was panicking I considered um, I considered sending them out as they were um, and just hoping people would would like them um, because I didn't want to annoy anybody but at the same time I knew that wasn't how I designed the the magazine that wasn't how I'd signed it off um, and I knew some people would be watching uh, you know in anticipation to see exactly how good or bad the the magazine was and I didn't want to let myself down because I knew that you know to me it was perfect I knew that I'd I'd worked so hard on 
on this and what I'd been presented with wasn't what I had you know I'd signed off on and you live and you learn in business and in life and you know one of the things that in hindsight um you know I now know is to really kind of scout out the printers beforehand to meet with them um, see examples of their work I didn't do that this particular printer was based up in London and I trusted them um, naively perhaps to um, to produce this without meeting them without you know, seeing examples of their work I'd spoken to them on the phone they sounded great they sounded competent but um, the reality was they hadn't um, adjusted bleed settings on the printers when they had laid out the, the files and so essentially the, the error along the bottom was was theirs. Thankfully though they agreed to reprint them all um, and deliver them to me free of charge so um, I had to wait a week though which was just the most horrifically it was just the worst week of my life the longest week of my life um but they did arrive and they were perfect um they're exactly how I had dreamt them to be and so actually I ended up with another 250 so that's 500 in total and as we began to send them out um in our unique probably wildly out there gift wrapping uh, which is tissue paper um, with confetti sprinkled on the magazine sort of tied up with with a really nice natural twine and a wooden heart um, engraved with the magazine and my name and each of these are then sent you know wrapped like this with a personalized um, thank you note to each reader each order Um, and we we began sending them out and as we did each sort of time you know we, we didn't ask for I didn't ask for it didn't say anything but people began to share their copies share the images of how it arrived in the post um, over Instagram and that really just set off a domino effect um, as soon as you know a few people did it more people would order it their followers would order it the people that saw the photos their friends their family they ordered a copy and soon enough we just became flooded and flooded with orders that we couldn't keep up with um I remember mum and I sat at the kitchen table wrapping and wrapping and wrapping magazines with more orders coming in and we were laughing actually at how you know we just can't keep up with this I am however so grateful to everybody every single order but particularly in the in the beginning those who did share their um pictures of their magazine on their social media because without that domino effect I don't think we would be where we are today and you know a few people were saying well you broke Instagram you broke Instagram that day and it literally did feel like it absolutely everywhere I looked you know I was getting tags comments likes orders it was just phenomenal um and completely overwhelming not what I expected at all and we actually ended up selling out of of the very first issue we've kept about 30 I think 20 or 34 for ourselves um you know to sentimentally um to keep and look back on as the business grows and you know following on from that the business has grown and three years later um we now print 700 uh at the minute each issue and they do they go out around the world and we still hand gift wrap every single one they all come with a um still with a personalized compliment slip and 
we you know we absolutely love it but that is essentially how I how I started it how how I started the magazine and how I put it together and as I've grown I now don't put it together on the arm of my sofa like the very first one um, I work on a Mac now I worked on a tablet for the very first one and I am now you know every day I'm learning skills on InDesign I'm no graphic designer I'm no journalist but I am passionate about what I do and so long as people love it so long as people enjoy the magazine then I will continue to produce it I will just point out though uh, that currently I am still working from home my office is in my bedroom so you know I'm going to be transparent I don't have a big magnificent office I would love one one day Um, I'd love to have staff one day but currently as you're listening to this now I work in my bedroom changing direction a little bit now I'm often asked about my experiences in New Zealand and the next question really is how did I get into dairy farming and really that wasn't intentional either I had taken a job as a um, groom rider and occasionally an au pair in New Zealand in the South Island Um, this was on a dairy farm but the job wasn't you know I wasn't necessarily supposed to be working on the farm uh when i got there i started i started obviously the job the riding looking after the horses um and about a week in i was asked to help out with milking and actually um (laughs) the very first day that i arrived i was asked by my boss uh, or i went along with my boss to help out with what they called herd testing um in the in the in the sort of milking shed and I had at this point no experience with cows the closest I'd come to cows was in a field you know on the other side of the fence so this was totally new to me and at that point I was hoping well I hope this doesn't become a regular thing but it's my first day so okay Uh, but as I said about a week in I was asked to help out with milking and the very uh, you know on that farm the the herd number was about 1800 and the uh, system was a 80 bale rotary shed so um, you know it was a pretty big kind of setup to to learn how to milk on Uh, but it was it was great and from that I absolutely fell in love with it and in all honesty I preferred you know the farm work working with the cows milking um, I preferred that to the riding especially the housework and so from then uh, I I was doing that regularly more than more than the horses and it kind of got to a point where you know the horses didn't necessarily phase out but the demands of the the dairy were were higher and so I was required there more than I was required with the horses and my uh, partner at the time he flew out about a month after I did and he was um, positioned about an hour away from me so I would go and see him quite often um, after work and it would kind of you know I would, I'd stay over sometimes and I'd be driving an hour at about two o'clock in the morning to get to the shed for about three o'clock in the morning ready to milk 1800 cows and it just got to a point where it was not doable um, so I decided to leave and move in with him um and you know i was there i'd I'd left um i'd left my friends that i'd met there which was you know they were they were a massive support network for me when i was there but i enjoyed kind of helping out with with boys on the farm that was fun and through 
his friends I managed to get a um, a temporary kind of job helping um, helping a friend of a friend on his farm um, calf rearing and some occasional milking for about two weeks and that was hugely fun Um, I actually got kind of offered that whilst we were jet skiing on their irrigation pond one evening which was just just ridiculous but so so kind of typical of New Zealand life and then again through a friend of his I secured a job on a dairy farm just down the road um, which is where I sort of stayed for the remainder of my time in New Zealand Um, and it was just so much fun so this was a fully kind of full-time dairy farming job and you know milking morning and night working throughout the day moving cows doing tracks work maintenance work um farm admin rearing calves when they were there um there was so much to do and it was just so much fun and i lived on site and we have an abs- we had an absolutely amazing team uh, we were all pretty young so that was really really good fun um yeah that that is how I got into milking and and now being back you know I I miss it massively Um, and on my recent trip to New Zealand last January I actually went back to the same farm um, that I was just talking about and you know did did a couple of milkings there and my old apron was there I had a pink apron which was 100% mine Um, and it was just fantastic I loved every single minute of it and you know New Zealand has a massively special place in my heart and it's somewhere that I hope to kind of fly back and forth from for a really really long time and spend a lot of my time there in the future so I absolutely loved it but that is how I got into milking and another question which is always a good tester is what is the toughest challenge I've faced so far um it's quite a kind of standout one for me really um it is probably I think it's two years ago now so year two of the business I was invited by um nearby estate Goodwood to take part in what's called the Magnolia Cup which is a charity horse race for 12 uh women I think it's 12 women or seven women um who essentially have never ridden a racehorse before and they basically undergo training for a series of months to learn how to ride racehorses, ride out every day, go through, you know, massive, massively rigorous gym routine and to essentially ride a five and a half furlong race um, at the end of it to raise money for charity. And naturally, I jumped at the chance of being involved. Um, I love horses. And so to, you know, to take part in in, in a horse race for charity was just, uh, you know, a 100% yes. Um, but as you know as the kind of months went on and the training kind of intensified and I still had to run the magazine and the the, everything else that went with that every single day and ensure that I was producing you know it to the same quality as it should be and satisfying the needs of of my customers I realized that I had taken on too much um and I was getting really stressed out, borderline ill from it. And I was just unable to, you know, something had to give. And so I think really the toughest challenge for me has been to learn when to say no um, and to learn how to say no as well, because it's really, really hard to kind of 
pull out of something that you've agreed to do, um, something you've told people you're doing, you've kind of invited them to join you on this really fantastic journey, it's all for a great cause, but in reality, you can't, you can't deliver, you can't do it. Um, and so I, I did have to pull out and it was really, really tough. Um, but actually, as soon as I did, as soon as I said it, this, the, the team were really, really understanding. Um, and the, the, you know, my fellow jockeys, they were so understanding, but I had to do it for me. I had to stand up for myself and, and it was making me ill. Um, and so I had to, to try to take the stand and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And I learned so much about myself from the whole process because I now know that one thing I really struggle with is is managing stress. I get stressed quite easily um, in doing all of this on my own and so I now know, you know, I'm now able to identify when I'm getting stressed because I don't want to get myself into that situation again because it was a really, really unhealthy situation. And so I think that for me is definitely the the toughest challenge I've had to face so far. And a couple of people um, have also asked me this, which is how do I balance business and my personal life? In all honesty, there there's no answer and it is tricky and it is kind of a case of you take every single day as it comes um every single day is different and you know it's it's really tough I think if you're passionate and you're you're kind of determined to to achieve your goals and create a successful business in whatever area of business that you're doing or you're working on then then you you make it work um you know and some days are going to be better than others some days you're gonna you're gonna really really struggle to find time for yourself um because you've been working so hard on the business and then other days you know you'll probably think I really need to take a little bit of time for myself or to spend with the family or just take a break and go for a long ride um or you know gym session whatever it is that that you find you know how, how you how you're able to relax um it's just a case of you know you've got to learn you've got to get to know yourself and know what what works for you and what doesn't work for you and you know sometimes you'll you'll need more of something and less of the other and and learning to getting to know yourself is really the key to finding the balance I think and the very last question um, is from Hannah Chambers on Facebook and she has asked how would I best recommend starting up a new business and there is so much to say on that one and I, I don't really want to say too much because as I mentioned in the beginning a few of the um, podcast episodes in the future will touch on you know running your own business advice guidance from from my own experience and, and industry experts as well but what I would say is find a niche find something you're passionate about and whatever it is that you do do it differently to everybody else so using in the country as an example although I produce a quarterly magazine just like a lot of other people what we do do is focus on you know an additional offering which is the gift wrapping no other magazine that I've come across to date gift wraps their magazine in a way like we do so the tissue paper you know the confetti the twine is all recyclable the magazine is fully recyclable so being responsible being aware of of how you can you know how you can 
improve the environment or, or, or at least, you know, don't impact it or don't make it worse, um, you know, don't contribute to don't contribute to the to the crisis that's around us um you know that's that makes us different and that's a huge talking point of so many of our our customers when we when we talk to advertisers you know they comment on on the wrapping and that makes us stand out from the crowd Woo! you made it um if you've got this far i am so pleased thank you so much um you know the fact that you've you've managed well you've chosen to listen to the very first episode in my podcast is just fantastic and I cannot wait as I said earlier for the future of this podcast next time so what can you expect I will be meeting with my very first guest so expect a little bit of a different vibe um, a little bit more relaxed it won't just be me talking at you for 45 minutes I don't want to tell you who it is yet um, because I don't want to spoil the surprise but it will be a good one trust me so I really hope you can tune in next time I've loved hanging out with you in between episodes you can find us on social media on Instagram at in the country insta on Facebook at in the country on Twitter at in the underscore country and on our website at www in the country magazine.com have a wonderful rest of your day and i'll see you soon until next time lots of love holly ella